Welcome back, and it's good to be back with the AFC Donscast following the World Cup, and it's back to league matters over the festive season. Coming up in this edition, we look back over some of the things that happened during the World Cup break, including our winter trip to Atlanta, some news on the beachfront stadium, we're on a search for a new management team for the women's team, and Dave Cormack speaks to the press following the AGM held last week. Plus, our first league action was against Celtic at Pataudry on Saturday. The post-match reaction from that is in the bag too. And I'll apologise first if there's bouts of coughing through this. A dose of COVID was the gift that kept on giving whilst we've been away. But let's get straight into it with the AFC Donscast from the Inverness Reds. Graham here and welcome to the AFC Donscast on Monday the 19th of December. It was hardly an inspiring comeback for the Red Army. A return to a cold Pataudry on Saturday and the march against Celtic did nothing to warm up the support. A dominant Celtic side couldn't break down a stubborn Aberdeen defence until very late in the game. Kellerus kept any Celtic chances at bay throughout the match until that point. Cal McGregor scored the only goal, a 20-yarder with three minutes of the 90 left on the clock. We won't ponder on this for far too long. Enough has been said on social media and WhatsApp groups. Here's Jack McKenzie and Jim Goodwin. Info was that? Yeah, uh, obviously really disappointing. Um, felt as though we carried out the game plan. The manager wanted us to really well. Um, and then obviously about five minutes to go, uh, Cal McGregor takes a, a well deal of a shot from 25 yards. And obviously that's, that's enough to give them the three points. But um, having said that, there's a lot of positives. I thought we defended really well. Didn't look like cutting us open at any point. Um, but yeah, just really disappointed not to take anything from it. I mean, you said five minutes ago it was actually 87 minutes. It's even it's even sorer than you thought. You know, you've got so close to the finishing line, haven't you? And, and what a point that could have been. Exactly, because um, we know um, obviously playing the old farm how difficult it is. Um, obviously, Celtic recently have been absolutely flying, so we knew we had to come off the game a wee bit um, as the manager's game plan and almost defend, soak up pressure, try and hit them on the counter-attack, play off set pieces and again I thought we did it all really well and as you say 87 minutes is a real real tough one to take. Did you enjoy that position left side of the back three? 
Yeah, it's obviously a position I haven't played uh, much in my career at all, but I think it complements my abilities quite well in terms of I do really enjoy defending. Um, you got the pace to do the channel as well, so it was it's a position I really enjoyed playing today. Um, I'll be under a lot of pressure, but like I'm happy to play wherever the manager plays me. If he wants to play me left centre back, left back, left wing back, I'm not going to complain. So again, it's a it's a new position. It's something um, that I'll look to continue to learn from. Um, and yeah, it's just on to the next one. Was the problem for the team today using the ball, keeping the ball, getting on the ball, enjoying a bit more possession? Because it seemed as if Celtic had a lot. Yeah, it's obviously difficult when they're um, we're sitting so deep and they're uh, pressing so high. As I say, the game plan was to hit them on the counter-attack, so it is a case of when we get the ball, try and uh, turn the centre-backs and get Duke and Boyan running in behind. And there were cases in the first half, I thought Duke did that and created opportunities for us. Obviously, we'd love to have more of the ball, but I think sometimes you have to understand the game we're playing. Um, because I felt as though, well, we all felt as though at Ibrox, we were possibly too far the other way, and Rangers could have scored eight or nine that game. So I think it's trying to find a, a balance, and we almost had it today. Talking about Rangers, how do you feel about Tuesday night? Yeah, obviously that's coming in the corner. I haven't really, we haven't really thought about that at all. Our heads have been on uh, the big game today, so our attentions will turn to that. There's no, we can't really feel sorry for ourselves. We just need to get going again. And again, massive game. You know, the fans will be up for it. We know how much of a big game this is for them, and hopefully we'll put in a performance and get a result. Are you due a wee lie down after that? You look pretty knackered because that's your your first start for a while. It is obviously with the World Cup break as well and. It's always when you play the old farm. It's always you always run more. It's a, it's a lot more intense and yeah, I'm definitely gonna have a lie down and uh, try and recover before Tuesday. Well done, you. You were the Red TV man of the match today, so well played. Cheers, Rob. Thank you, Jim. That's a sore one to take. 87 minutes when Callum McGregor scored. Yeah, it is. It's always uh, disappointing to get done with a, a sucker punch like that so late on. Um, you know, the game plan today was to try and deny Celtic the space in behind that they want uh, with the pace and the movement of Kyogo up top and the pace that they've got in the wide areas we felt that we would sit off them deny them that space and allow them to have possession in front of us uh, in the hope that we would be able to hit them on the counter-attack um, we've done that you know, three or four times in the first half and managed to get ourselves up the pitch but unfortunately you know, in the second half it was, it was all one-way traffic and you know, Celtic dominated the ball um, you know, what I will say is I thought the, the concentration levels and the discipline of the back five in particular with the three midfielders in front was excellent. And apart from the, the couple of saves that Kel Roosas had to make in the first half, he's had very little to do in the second half but pick that 87th minute strike from Cal McGregor out of the net. So it's not um, a setup that we, we want to get used to, uh, but I felt given the level of the opposition today, the five-week break, coming back into it, um, you know, I felt that was the, the, the system and the shape of the team that was going to give us the best chance to get a result. Now, if we'd have been standing here and managed to see it through and got a nil-nil, it would have been a, a, a decent afternoon with another point on the board. But, um, you know, unfortunately, that's not the case. Does that feel like a step of progress in terms of the quality of the defensive performance? Yeah, look, I mean, listen, fans want you to, to have a go and be adventurous and uh, take the game to the opposition, but I just felt today if we had done that with the pace and the movement, like I said, of Celtic, I think they would have caused us more problems. So uh, it's not, as I said, a, a system or a, a way of playing that I want the boys to get used to, but they carried out the instructions that I gave them 
um, to the letter. So any criticism that's going to come, you know, should come my way. If we'd have kept a clean sheet today against a very good Celtic team, I would have been delighted. We had hoped that we would have maybe got that early goal like we did against Rangers at Ibrox and, uh, and been able to see the, the, the game out. But unfortunately, um, that wasn't the case. You know, uh, sometimes you get pats on the back for having a go against teams and getting beat like we did at Ibrox. You know, everybody was giving us plaudits for having a go and we lost 4-1. And it could have been 10. Uh, today we'll get criticism because we haven't offered a great deal to the game from an offensive point of view. Um, but as I said, you know, any criticism that comes our way as a team should come my way because um, the players are only carrying out the instructions that I gave them. Was what was missing today management of the ball when you had it to, to keep it? Yeah, I think that's fair. I mean, we spoke you know, about the, the, the high press of Celtic and how committed they are when they when they lose possession of the ball and we had to try and um, be calm in possession but still move it quickly and we probably didn't do that well enough. Um, unfortunately, you know, the guys up top got a bit tired late on and um, when the ball did go forward, we weren't able to retain possession and, um, you know, inevitably when that happens, you can't get up the pitch. So, um, look, we'll have to dust ourselves down tomorrow, uh, try and recover uh, as well as we can and, um, you know, prepare properly for what's going to be another difficult fixture against Rangers on Tuesday night. Yeah, it's a quick turnaround, isn't it, to, to Tuesday night, but you'll go into that game with, with bags of belief. Plenty of respect for what Rangers have got about them, obviously, but, but I guess a, a, a fair bit of confidence going into that game as well. Yeah, look, I mean, the boys will be disappointed after, you know, getting so far at nil-nil and, you know, keeping the clean sheet up until three minutes before the end. Um, but look, I mean, we have to obviously respect the opposition like we always do, but we do believe we can carry an attacking threat at times as well but we haven't managed to do that today but we'll we'll sit down uh, with the staff and the players tomorrow and we'll try and come up with a, a game plan that can get us a result on Tuesday night Jack McKenzie uh, was given uh, man of the match by, by Russell Anderson today he, he did well in a position uh, that he's not totally used to well I, I thought all of the guys defensively were, were excellent today to be honest I thought you know Hayden Coulson and Maddie Kennedy in the wide areas you're up against really tricky fast wingers and I thought they contained them quite well uh, the back three McCrory, Stewart and McKenzie I can't remember them putting a foot wrong to be honest with you and I thought there was real hard work and commitment and desire from the, the three midfielders as well so you know from a defensive perspective it was um, it was solid uh, for large spells, but obviously we want to be a more attacking and a more offensive team, and that's what we have been up to now prior to today at home. Um, but I just felt that you know the level of the opposition, the quality that Celtic have got, that this was the best way to go to try and get the result uh, that we wanted. It, it hasn't worked out in the end, and uh, I'll take full responsibility for that. But we go again on Tuesday, where um, you know our home form has been excellent, um, and we just have to believe that we're capable of doing better in possession on Tuesday night. We'll see you on Tuesday. Good luck then. Okay, thanks Rob. Catch live audio and video of our next match only on Red TV. Subscribe now for full match day coverage, replays, highlights and all the goals, exclusive interviews and behind the scenes content. Sign up now at redtv.afc.co.uk. The best of the action only on Red TV. 
Rangers twice came from behind to beat Hibs 3-2 at Ibrox as the Premiership returned on Thursday night. On Saturday, a total of 13 matches were postponed across the four divisions due to the recent severe weather, with the entire League 2 card frozen off. In the Premiership, Hearts are in fourth place following their 3-1 win over Kilmarnock at Tynecastle, and St Johnston are fifth after beating Ross County 2-1 in Dingwall. Bartek Thistle defeated Championship leaders Air United 3-2 at Firhill, while Wraith Rovers and Arbroath drew 1-0 at Starks Park. In League One, FC Edinburgh closed the gap on leaders Dunfermline Athletic to four points following a 2 all draw with Montrose at Meadowbank. Kilty Hearts won 2-1 at Queen of the South. More Don's News straight after this. Do you still think I'm a traitor, yes or no? We all think everyone's traitors, mate. Nothing happens in this castle without a twist. 22 players, all chasing a prize of up to £120,000. Doggy dog and I'm starving. But hidden amongst them, three traitors who want to steal it all. No! These traitors can murder you just have a drop of a hat. Can the others find them before it's too late? I don't know where to point the finger. I need to be careful with what I say. Get them before they get you. Expect trickery. He's been lying all the way through. This is just so messed up. Betrayal. And do you think Ivan is a traitor? <gasps> it's war. That's all thing. And backstabbing. You're a liar and you're a liar. Oh, my God. Not a traitor, I swear on everything. Let the mind games begin. The final of the Traitors will be shown on BBC One Scotland at 9pm this Thursday. The Dons headed over to the States for a winter training camp in November and took part in a match against a young Atlanta United 11 team in the first friendly match between the two sides. The Dons were winners on this occasion with Leighton Clarkson's 67th minute volley from a Matty Kennedy corner proving the difference. We caught up with Jack McKenzie, Ross McCrory and Jim Goodwin on their time in the States. After a long day of travelling, we're finally here at Atlanta. We seem to have brought the Scottish weather with us. Good to, good to be here though. Yes, uh, it's great to be here, obviously. Um, you know, it's been a, a trip that's been long in the planning. Um, you know, I think there was plans to come even prior to my arrival at Aberdeen, but obviously COVID put a stop to that. So it's great to eventually get here and, um, you know, to be able to try and build that relationship between the two clubs. Um, we'll get an opportunity at some point this week as well to sit down with the Atlanta United staff and, um, yeah, maybe some bounce some ideas off each other and... Um, but, you know, it's great to be at such a, a brilliant facility as well. You know, you can see it's a, a state-of-the-art complex. Um, and um, unfortunately, we seem to have brought the Aberdeen weather with us today. But I think for the, the rest of the week, it's going to be pretty good. So it should be a very beneficial week for everyone, both on and off the pitch. And just for the fans at home watching on Red TV, can you give us a bit of an outline about what's happen, happening on the trip? We know we've got the game and the fan meeting group tomorrow. Yes, well, I mean, it's, um, you know, obviously the guys are winding down a little bit now. We're going into that World Cup break. But, um, you know, this will give us an opportunity to have a look at one of the younger, one or two of the younger members of the squad as well. We've brought quite a few of the uh, the academy kids with us because we've got a number of guys away on international duty. Um, so we'll train this morning. We'll do a little bit in the gym this afternoon. Um, and then we've got a game tomorrow afternoon against uh, Atlanta's um, second team, I think, with a mix of some first-team players in there as well. Uh, again, that will give us an opportunity to give you know a few of our guys who haven't been playing 
as regularly as what they would like uh, a chance to get some minutes. And um, and then there's obviously all the the other bits and pieces that are going to go on off the pitch as well. We've got a meet and greet with the supporters, quite a few Aberdeen fans over this way as well, which is great. So it gives us a chance to spend some time with them. And um, yeah, it's a great experience for everybody. You know, not just from my own perspective to be here. I've never been to Atlanta before, but um, for all of the players, you know, both young and old, uh, who have never had the experience of coming to a city like this before, I think it's a, a great opportunity for them. Jack, we're here at Atlanta United's training ground, a beautiful facility. However, it is a little bit cold. I think we've brought the Scottish weather with us. How much are you enjoying the trip so far? I know it's been really good. Uh, obviously, the weather wasn't expecting it to be as cold as it is. Actually colder than what it is back home. But, no, it's been really good. Um, Wednesday was great, obviously, to play play against a different team. Um, and then, obviously, after with the meet and greet, see so many faces, people travelling all over America to come to come see us. It was obviously really special for everyone and a really good moment for the club. I think we were all a bit blown away at the meet and greet, actually, weren't we? But the length, some people had travelled from across America, some people come from Aberdeen and, and Peterhead. How was it for the players just to, inter- to interact with the fans in quite a casual setting? It was brilliant. Um, obviously, as you touched on hearing the stories of... Uh, the lengths people went to travel to come see us it just does make you feel special and you do realise what a big club Aberdeen is and the fact that there's so many people willing to, to travel to come see us is as I said it's just really special for everyone And we're here at the training ground today what, what have you made the, of the facilities? Uh, facilities are absolutely top notch um, it's just a, a brilliant setting um, to come here as a player to come here and train it's just been absolutely brilliant um, so no, facilities are, are top and it's been a case for yourself of what might have been. Uh, people don't know you were meant to come on loan to Atlanta, play in their B team, but obviously with COVID, it put a stop to that. At the time, how, how, how did you feel about that? Uh, I remember because it was coming back from Dubai on the training camp with the first team and just before we were waiting to get on the plane, uh, Derek, Derek McInnes pulled me and basically said, look, there's this opportunity for you. And at the time, my head was sinking. I mean, travelling halfway across the world... Do I really fancy it? Probably not. And then the more I looked into it, the more I sort of warmed to the idea. And then a couple of weeks down the line, I was dying to go. Um, and as you say, COVID hit. Um, I think it was about a week away from going, and everything stopped. So really, I'm absolutely gutted with it. Um, and then I ended up going on to Forfar, so a wee bit different. <laughs> from Atlanta to Forfar? <laughs> a wee bit different, but I've seen the facilities, seen the city. It was probably a, an opportunity I'm gutted to have missed out on, but... Hopefully with some of the younger players coming up, they can get the opportunity. Ross, here in Atlanta, is it your first time here? It is so, mate, aye. This is the uh, first time i come to Atlanta. Um, I've been to the States before, but first time in this part of the part of the States. And uh, it's good, good facilities here. We've, uh, we've got a wee tour around the training ground today, and yeah, I had a different class. Impressed with the training facilities, nice? Absolutely, it's one of the best I've seen, to be fair. Um, obviously got to look around the, the pitches and that, but just the aesthetics of the building and the whole area is, 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 is great and obviously we'll still to experience the stadium at some point so uh, it'll be good to see that. And a little bit of downtime you had this afternoon, nice just to mm-hmm. get out and have a look around. Yep, it's good just to get all the boys together, just to gel. Um, we've got a good tight, tight-knit group here. So as um, we, can all, we all went to the mall this afternoon, all the boys had a bit of shop and a wee coffee and that, so that was no bad. So yeah, it's good to get all the boys together and as I say it's, it's good for, for team bonding. I know it's a bit of an unusual time for to have to have a break um, mm-hmm. in November, December for the World Cup. But do you enjoy? Yeah. Do you enjoy coming away for trips? Absolutely. Um, another thing is where we get to know know the boys better. Maybe some of the quieter boys in the team. You can you, obviously when you're with them twenty four seven, you get to know them better. 
um, tuck away in that as well. So it's good to get away as well and see different different parts of the, the world as, as a new experience. You talk about the squad morale. We were lucky to be over in Spain and mm-hmm. at the start of the summer. Um, just how, how big was that trip for helping the squad morale for the first half yeah. part of the season? Yeah, I think it's massive. Um, obviously, we still had a few players to get signed, but just the fact we because we went out for a few times for dinner um, after training and stuff, and just getting all the boys together, and especially the new ones, get them in, feeling integrated like really early, and made them feel as if they were welcome straight away. And I think that's helped massively this season because we had a big turnover of players, and I think it was like twelve plus came in. So at times you wouldn't know there's been that big a turnover yeah. because how. Uh, tight that group we are to be fair but it's uh, it's good to get away and obviously you get the chance to do team bonding events as well so it's very good You mentioned the squad turnover there and this summer was a lot different for Aberdeen and mm. we've normally had quite a British based squad and there's been yeah. a lot of players coming in from, from overseas, Have, mm. has that been a bit different do you notice a change in the dressing room with, with that? Uh, I'm asleep but it's, uh, it's not as lively, it's a lot of Scottish boys for the previous years, it was, it was a bit wild at times but um, now look, this this season the the boys are brilliant. Um, I couldn't say a bad word about any new boys came in. They've all integrated really well and really good people, good characters as well, and strong characters at the same time. Which which we need to play at Aberdeen, and um, uh, they've settled in extremely well. As you no doubt are well be aware, Aberdeen women co-managers Emma Hunter and Gavin Beath both resigned from their roles at the end of November. The Aberdeen women have struggled in SWPL1 this season. However, there's been signs of improvement of late. Emma and Gavin oversaw their final match with a win against Dundee United at Tynadice, Bailey Hatchison scoring both goals to win 2-1. And on the 4th of December, they played out a one-all draw against Spartans women with Francesca Ogilvie on the scorecard. An interim coaching team comprising of Gavin Levy, supported by women's coach Claire Garrett and Youth Academy coaches Mark Emsley and Matthew Mackey and Head of Academy Performance Kevin Simon have taken charge whilst the Dons search for a replacement manager. The post having been advertised earlier this week and our game against uh, Rangers that was due to take place on Sunday was postponed due to a frozen pitch. Causing a stir in the under-18s is striker Alfie Bavage, having now netted five hat-tricks in the Club Academy Scotland Under-18 League and scoring 19 goals during his first 10 league games and adding two more goals in our victory over Queen's Park in the SFA Youth Cup. Red TV spoke to Alfie during the recent training camp in Atlanta where he was one of seven under-18 players who travelled on the trip with the first team. Alfie, we're here in Atlanta. We've just come back from doing a bit of team bonding and a bit of top golf. How did you enjoy it? I know it was great. Uh, I'm not the best golfer myself, but you know a few of the boys were giving me tips. So I was slowly getting better, but I was in the sidelines for most of it because I don't want to embarrass myself. <laughs> Who was good? Who was the best, do you think, that you saw? Dylan or Liam, both class. <laughs> but they were in my booth, so I didn't really get to see any of the other boys, but Dylan or, Dylan or uh, Liam. And do you enjoy that? Do you enjoy doing going out kind of away from the football pitch and, and bonding with the boys? Yeah, no, it's great. I mean, we go a lot of the time just in Aberdeen as I like after training and that. So we're a close group, and it shows in the pitch. I think. Yeah. And how much are you enjoying the trip so far as a whole? I know it's been brilliant. It's been it's been a great experience. I think uh, you know any time when you're with the first team, it's a brilliant experience. And going away to Atlanta with them's you know that next level that you know I've not really had before. So it's it's been great. What have you made of the facilities at Atlanta's training ground? I know, I think they're brilliant. I think uh, the times have been across, it's been great. And training on Tuesday, the pitches were good. So uh, even the changing rooms, uh, it's all great. And especially the gym, we went into the gym and it was a bit, we were like, wow. Yeah, it's nice. Uh, it was it? lovely. Yeah. And you got a bit of game time on, on Wednesday. How, how, how was that? Yeah, no, it was brilliant. It's like uh, you've seen like, 
a few years ago, I'll be watching them at Pataudry, even last year, this year, watching them play at Pataudry and stuff, and it's now like playing with them in a game. It's, it's a wee bit surreal, but no, I, uh, I didn't want to kind of get caught up in all that. I just focused on the game. And, Were you nervous before you came on, even though it was just a, a friendly match? Uh, yeah, no, I was a wee bit nervous, but a wee bit nervous. But. When did you first get told that you were coming on the trip to Atlanta? must have been a week before we came. I think we all got pulled into uh, pulled into Baz's office and we just got told that we're on standby and then the day later told us that we're all going. So I was buzzing. We're all buzzing. He settled into the Aberdeen team well and Loney Leighton Clarkson looks back on the first part of the season and his career to date. I try and get to 20 goal contributions. Um, obviously assist goals. Um but just trying to play as well as I can um, for the club as much as anything, because I know how much the, the fans, since I've been here, even when you just walk around the, the streets and stuff like that, people are always like talking everything, everyone's football mad. It's, it's, it's quite crazy, actually. Um, and the support we've had all year has been unbelievable as well, so just to give back to the fans, because the, they've welcomed me in. Um, so, yeah, I'd love, to, I'd love to give them a good season and, and yeah. It's just, you know, keep working hard, just doing, I know it's cliche, but just doing all the basics well, trying, with every manager, try and be on the good side, um, you know, and just work your socks off and, and see where it takes you. Um, I've been quite lucky to have been like, as a standout player in most teams growing up and stuff like that, so, um, and I've always been playing, so that's why when I went to Blackburn, it was a bit of a shock, because I'd never um, experienced it before. Um, but then I'd always probably say that that is that would be the best learning curve I'll have in my whole career. Um, hopefully, not, it doesn't happen again. Um, but yeah, it was that was a tough time. And then coming here, I've I've settled in well, and I'm enjoying football again. So I think all the boys are eager to get back playing now. We've had the you know the two weeks off or whatever. Um, but yeah, it's it's a massive game as well. So and then Rangers. Um, so hopefully we can get positive results against them and. You know, give everyone a good Christmas. Um, but yeah, no, I, I can't wait to get back playing. We need to get back into the rhythm of it and stuff like that. So yeah, you can watch the full interview with Leighton on Red TV. Aberdeen will face Darville away in the Scottish Cup next month. The match will take place on Monday the 23rd of January at 7.45pm with it to be broadcast live on the BBC Scotland channel. The rest of the draw is as follows. Hibs versus Hearts, Kilmarnock versus Dumbarton, Dundee United are at home to University of Stirling, it's St Mirren versus Dundee, Greenock Martin are at home, eh, sorry, are away to Celtic. It's St Johnston versus Rangers. Elgin City versus Drinchapel United. Partick Thistle versus Dunfermline Athletic are both at home to Motherwell. Wraith Rovers are away to Linlithgow Rose. Arlo Athletic versus Falkirk. Stenhouse Muir versus Livingston. Hamilton Aki's are at home to Ross County. It's Inverness Caledonian Thistle versus Queen's Park. And finally, Cove Rangers versus Air United. These matches will be played on the weekend of the 21st and 22nd of January. The 119th Aberdeen Football Club AGM took place on Monday last week, which was mostly dominated about the situation with the stadium. Aberdeen City Council having earlier in the week confirming that the club would have to fully fund their part of the community stadium at the beachfront. Dave Cormack spoke to the press following the meeting. The stadium, where actually is it at the moment? How do things stand as far as your concern as Aberdeen Football Club's concerned? Well... As I described through there, um, you know, <clears throat> the club itself was 
approached, the facility wasn't available or the option to, to come stay at the beach as part of the master plan. So we've been actively supportive of um, the Council's plans, in particular working with some of the officers there, Steve White and Craig Innes. And um, you know, obviously the administration has changed and you know, we're going through some challenges post-COVID, hopefully post-COVID, related to um, you know, um, inflation. Like I said, it brings it home when you say a primary school now is going to cost 30 odd million versus 22 million. Um, but the, the key thing is this, is the meeting the council has this week, you know, our appeal, if you like, is past that meeting is for us to effectively form a working group to look at how we can actually pull this off. That's important because, you know, we have been out with a council and talked to potential funding sources. Right, whether it be grants for net zero stadium and facilities down here, leisure centre. But you can only really get into dialogue with these people when they ask the question, is the council totally behind this? Then, you know, obviously the, the, the press recently and, and, and the comments from the, the co-leaders, um, you know, have, have made their statements. And so for us, I think it's important that we all get together past this meeting and sit down, form a working group, and, eva and evaluate every opportunity we have to pull this off. Because if we can bring, as a club, 38 million people to the stadium, which is almost double what it is at Pataudry over the next 50 years, because it's a community stadium, and we can generate at least a billion pounds of economic upside for the city, not for the club, it's compelling. So our appeal to the council overall is for us to get together to try and make this work. Do you believe the will is still there and it's still the same as it was when this project came up two years ago, 18 months ago? Well, I think the things that's changed <coughs> clearly is, is, well, we were going through COVID then, at the beginning of COVID, and you know, the, the council at the time are thinking, how do we drive footfall? How do we as a city, put Aberdeen back on the map to make it appealing for families to want to come and live here. This isn't just about the stadium. This is about the whole city centre master plan. So I think it's a bigger issue of what the Aberdeen City Council want to invest to provide an infrastructure to make it appealing for these companies and these employees and their families to want to come and live in Aberdeen. And so you've seen, and I've said it before, you've seen Dundee, right? Economically, Dundee had to do something, right? A few decades ago, they've had a plan and a vision and they've executed it with their waterfront. And, and that's what the council has a vision of, which I still think is worth the prize of going for. But at the end of the day, it comes down to the, um, the city council to kind of decide the shape and size of what this looks like. This is a capital investment project. It's not about taking money from, you know, um, put, t getting the trash in or the bins and stuff like that. This is a capital investment that Aberdeen seriously needs to make if we're going to be the renewable capital energy in, in Nicola's mind of the world. And so for us, it's a bigger picture. And, 
you know, I think it's difficult for me to predict, you know, how a council drives itself there. But I do think there's significant support uh, for the city centre master plan. Within the council, you mean? Yeah. yeah. I was going to ask you is, supposing in a kind of best case scenario, the council were to turn around and say, okay, we'll help, we'll put some money in, but you put some money in. How much realistically could you afford? Well, the difficulty in answering that question is, is that as we're out looking at partners and potential commercial partners, this is a big venture. And so you have to go out and we've talked to consult experts that do this on areas that re revitalize, whether it be Everton, whether it be in Atlanta, the Atlanta Braves moving outside the city, they built a whole village there that has got four million visitors a year now. But it's something like that. You have to be able to um, effectively put your best foot forward. We're all in this together. Here's what the cost of this project is going to be. Where are the funding sources? I can't tell you how much we can raise until I can go out there with the council to these sources and the council's behind getting it done. I mean, it's so imagine we're meeting and we've met with all of the above. You meet with these people, the first question they ask is, is the council really on board with doing this? But it must have been a kick in the teeth for you, for the club, when the coal leaders Turned around and said, "You won't get a penny from us." Well, look, I, I, I mean, for for us, we're willing to work with the council and whoever is there with the council. The council approached the football club about what the, because what they thought the club could do for the city by staying in the city centre. We're not talking about building a football stadium. We're talking about building a community stadium. Why would the club go to the lengths of building a community stadium that gets used every day of the week, right, as an environment? And it could be businesses coming in there with coffee shops, shops, restaurants, etc. We ordinarily wouldn't build that on our own. And so we've been a willing partner. And so, it, it, so if you think about, you've seen all the designs between the, the shared facility, between the... Um, ice, a new ice rink and kind of high-end leisure centre, maybe in a spa. So, um, yeah, we're still willing and able to get into dialogue, but, but it needs all of us to come together. So the council meet on Wednesday to discuss it, and so that's your message to them, keep, keep the door open. Yeah, the message is, is that for Aberdeen, never mind the club and the stadium, for Aberdeen, if we don't invest in the infrastructure, if we seriously want to go from oil, right, fossil fuel, to renewable energy, right, we've got to invest in the cities and the infrastructure of the city. So people want to come and live here. There's no Debenhams. There's no John Lewis's, right? The leisure centre is on its last legs. The beach ballroom's hemorrhaging cash, you know? Yeah. Um, but it's important to put a master plan together like these guys have done and, and look at the whole thing. It doesn't all need to be done in two years. It could be 15 years mm -hmm. that this takes to, but you have to have a vision and a plan. And that's our appeal is to these guys is, is not to have a go at people or the council. I don't want to come across as that, is that we're still willing and able to work, but um, it needs the council 
to come to the table with us to go out to all of these sources. I mean, some of these sources are going to look and go, well, if there's no football club there, why should we support this here? Because you're not going to get the footfall. You know? So what happens? Worst case scenario, they say no. Well, then if, if it comes back that it's not feasible as a project, then we've got to go back and kind of dust off the plan at Kingsford. And has that just been mothballed for the last two years, or have you still been doing work well, in the, the background? No, the plans are still there that we've got. The thing is, we've already spent two and a half million getting the ground ready for the new stadium. Yeah. I mean, we, um, we, uh, the old beach end was dumped out there. Bert McIntosh took this down, the old beach end, and put it at Kingsford. So we've been actually redigging up the old beach end out at Kingsford to get it ready for the new stadium. It's a bit funny, but it's true. But if, it was, if you were to be at Kingsford, how much would that cost you? Well, it depends on... Um, it depends. The spec wouldn't be the spec of a community stadium here. Yeah. So it's ludicrous that people think the club's looking for a handout. It's like, why would we build an 80 or 90 million community stadium when we could build a stadium at Kingsford for 50 million, right? But does it make sense? It doesn't make sense for the city to revamp the beach ballroom, to build a new leisure center, a new pool and do that if they're not gonna get traffic of 38 million people over the next 50 years. Is, is that one of the perceptions that you've got to overcome? that we're in this cost of living crisis, folk can't put another bar on the fire, and people are going, well, why should a football club get that? But what your message is, this isn't a handout, this is part of a bigger thing that's going to bring in revenue long term. Well, it's really about, does, if Aberdeen wants to set itself up for what the First Minister has said, we want Aberdeen to be the renewable capital energy of the world. Not UK, not Europe, but the world. Listen, you walk down Union Street, you look at the beach, what is there for people to do? You know, they look at other cities. And so if we want to get those, let's call it tens of thousands of jobs for Aberdonians as well as, as entice people to come and live here, we've got to have an infrastructure where people want to come. You know, you walk down to the beach and you look at the, oh, you've got flumes there, now they've been shut for eight years. You know? Um, but the reality is, it's a capital investment. And nobody's saying all of the money needs to be paid for by the council. If we get together, go down to central government, right, where you've got, for example, the UK Infrastructure Bank, is a new bank with 40 billion to lend at low interest rates for renewable energy projects. I've been and talked to them, right? But the first thing they say is, is the city council behind it? There are the Scottish government. I mean, if they'd really want Aberdeen to be the renewable capital energy of the world, which would be a massive boost for Scotland, and people coming here and spending money on stuff, right, then that's where the billion of upside just on the stadium you know, um, element comes from. Then, you know, we could have got to all these sources. But I, I know myself, if I go into a room to try and help raise, you know, funding for something, if all of the stakeholders or a key stakeholder isn't 
there to say, listen, we're not guaranteeing anything, but we're behind evaluating this thing without putting a precondition on it, which is no support whatsoever. <clears throat> we, we need to get together, the, 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 the leadership, council, officers, ourselves, and, and give this an opportunity because we got these councillors, <clears throat> they meet on Wednesday, in my view, people will look back over the next 10, 20, 30, 50 years and look at the decisions they made. And as they look there, did Aberdeen become the net zero capital of the world? And if it didn't, why not? Will you be in the public gallery tomorrow? Uh, or Wednesday, Ronald? No. no. I've said enough. Um, listen, it's in, if you look at the report, it's in there as part of the master plan to go forward, but clearly the funding is the issue that's there. So again, my appeal, I don't want this to come across as having a go at A, B, and C, blah, 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 is really we're willing and able as a club to sit down, but we all need to get together and get behind it to see whether we can get it done. Sure. I think the club, honestly, the club, we are attractive to help the council get grants and get funding because we're part of the economic viability of it. It seems you really think the future of Aberdeen as a, a city is wrapped up in this project. It's massive. Listen, we spent 400 million on Teca. It's, it's a fantastic facility. Can you imagine if we spent 400 million on revamping the city centre? You know, and I'm not saying that's what we spend, but, and it doesn't need to happen when money is tight. But there's a difference between going out to get capital investment and borrowing than raising money to pay to empty the trash cans each, each week, you know? It's a revenue budget versus an infrastructure budget. And, you know, we can have what we've had in the last 60 years in the next 60 years with renewable energy. I mean, the wind farms are going to be three miles offshore from here. But we've got serious competition. I mean, the northeast of England, they want all the jobs. Serious competition. That when people take a look at where they want to live, right, then they're going to look, these families are smart these days, do I actually want to go and live there? You know? So for me, the question is, is, is this is bigger. This is about Aberdeen for the next 60 years. And... You know, it's an independent economic report. This report was commissioned by the council officers in the club. We chose to publicise it because we felt it needed publicised. And that was all right, you know. And um, it, it, it independently done, Fergus Much, who SNP kind of by background, he did the economic report. And so... Um, but, you know, we all know, historically, when administrations change every five years, things can kind of change. So, again, our appeal for Aberdeen is, let's try and make this happen. So when the people you speak to ask if the council are 100% on board, what do you tell them? And kind of part, second part of that question is, do you think this is going to happen? Well, I mean, to answer the first part, um, they know from conversations in the last month that from from information they know that um, you know that there um, is serious concern at the council about making it happen so 
you know, as I say, it, you have to have all parties come around the table to do it. Listen, I'm an optimist, right? Um, bit of a realist as well. I, we are doing Aberdeen City in the northeast a disservice if we don't explore this. And I don't just mean the beachfront, I mean the whole city centre. You know? And again, it, you might take 10 to 15 years to execute the programme, but listen, smart people have a vision and a plan. That plan could take 10 to 15 years. It's not 400 million or whatever it is tomorrow. You know? Anyway, I, so I, I'm an optimist, and you would think the prize for Aberdeen is that renewable capital of the world. That's the prize. The First Minister says she wants Aberdeen. Scotland needs it. If the beach stadium doesn't happen and Kingsford, there's split opinion amongst the fans about the Kingsford development, would that not be the time maybe just to take a step back and be the hero amongst a lot of the Aberdeen fans and commit to doing something you've said isn't possible over the last number of years, doing something with this place? Well, for the reasons we mentioned in the meeting there, it's just finan financially, it's just, it's just not an option because it's going to curtail us with our plans for growth and turnover significantly. 53% of our season ticket holders live closer to Kingsford than they do to Pataudry. How many? 53%, so about 50-50 from people that are outside the perimeter, so to speak, versus kind of inside. Um, so these are our options. We want to put our efforts into working with the council for the beach for obvious reasons. We have a couple of questions just away from the, the stadium. I noticed in the, the AGM there, um, I think it was in response to a question about the club being able to hang on to young players and key players. And Jim talked about how there was, I think the phrase used, a hell of a lot of interest in Mayovsky, both in the UK and abroad. How difficult is it going to be, especially given the financial results the club have just posted, to hang on to somebody like that? If somebody was to come in in January even, and offer you a few million for winning the prize assets? No, uh, so there's a difference between operating profit and net profit, because it doesn't include player sales. And at the end of the day, cash flow is king, right? And, and, and you know, we are, uh, cash flow-wise, we are in a good position as a club. Um, and it's been part of our strategy has been to move from just spending what we bring in to be competitive, to investing more in first team youth academy, like I said. Um, and so this is that kind of deliberate plan that we have. But we won't be, or don't need to be in a position to sell any players. Now, having said that, we're not gonna go back to the situation where we get nothing for Kenny McLean, or we got 100 grand because Norwich took him on a pre-contract, right? Um, and Ryan Jack, Shinny, and these guys all kind of left for nothing. Um, so I think what we've been able to do is really invest in the youth academy and in the recruitment team that we've got and the analysts that are looking at these players, right, around, across the world. And, um, you know, this summer was the first time that Darren had a full window, Darren Mowbray been to 16 countries and um, you know so um, we've got for example at the Celtic 
and Rangers games, we've got scouts from across Europe coming. And for some of these teams, they're not coming to look at Celtic and Rangers players necessarily. I think that's a good thing. It's healthy because obviously we're doing something right with the players. You trade players where it's the right deal for the club and you've got ideally one or two years you know, left on the contract. So the young the academy guys, I mean, you know, because the academy's doing exceptionally well, we're getting a lot of attention. We're victims kind of of our own, you know, success. But our our pitch to the younger players, the under 16s, right, um, is that you'll get, there's a pathway here now. There's a real pathway to getting into the first team. And Jim's totally on board with that as well. Are we going to keep all of these players? Not necessarily. Um, we put our best foot forward. We go through the t with a player that may be assigned professionally with us, an under, uh, let's say, a 15-year-old player. We're going through, whether it's Jim, Gunnar, um, Barry Robson, they're all going through the attributes of the player and what that player needs to do in the next couple of years to be at this level. And so there's a detailed plan, a pathway that's there. I think we do a super job at it. Um, but, you know, uh, these under-16 players, you know, you, you, I mean, the, the, the Scottish government dictates any fee if somebody comes in and kind of tries to take these players. And, you know, relatively speaking, it's cheap. English Premiership teams, these guys might give agents, if they want players, they may throw two million at ten young players. And they'll say to the agent, here's 200,000. You can take that to give to the club, player, parents, and yourself to bring the player in. And they run that lottery. And, and again, our message is, how many under-23 players have come to Aberdeen with just without having men against men experience, right, and done well here? How many young players under-16 have left Aberdeen and done well? How much is Brexit been a factor in that? Because English clubs can't sign, they can't stockpile the players from abroad that they used to. They're now looking up here. Well, I think it cuts both ways. First of all, it makes our market more attractive and it, um, it potentially increases the value you can get for players. You know, um, because there are typically multiple people in for, whether it be a Calvin Ramsey or someone, um, <coughs> But, um, yeah, I mean, Brexit has been hard for us because we've got to go through all of these processes where, you know, with the SFA related to the player coming in and getting, getting a, 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 a visa. Um, but the main thing is we're doubled down on the investment on the academy and looking at other players. I mean, it's unbelievable. Well, Willie Garner couldn't believe when he went through the whole, the whole how we look at players, you know, um, and, and search for these players. I mean, getting access to um, uh, contacts in, in like Portugal to get Duke, etc. I mean, we've been able to open doors now that we've never opened before. And people are looking at Aberdeen and going, that's the place I want to be for two or three or four years, right? Uh, Miofsky, we paid 650,000 euros for him. I mean, that's not chump change. You know, um, 
They turned down two million euros from Granada in the January window. We got them this, this summer, right? Um, but we think that was a, a good investment for us. He's loving it here. He's on a four-year contract. So there's no urgency from our standpoint. Um, no. But the reality is if people come in, you know, and... But the most important thing is, do we have a conveyor belt of people we can either come in through or that we know we can go out and buy? You know? You had, you became chairman, was it 2019? We were here and then you had COVID within a few months and then you've had various other tribulations. Have you been able to enjoy it yet? Or is this the first season that you've been able to go, you know what, everything's kind of coming together? Oh, listen, the, 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 <laughs> as soon as you think everything's coming together, you get kicked in the arse, right, typically. So I'm, you know, it's, last year was really, really tough. It was really tough because, you know, just what we went through. And, but, you know, in my business career over time, I've made appointments that haven't necessarily worked out for all the right reasons. And the, you then get judged on how you, how, you, how you address those things. And I think we've... Uh, we've addressed that. Uh, whenever there's a transition, there can often be uh, challenges. Um, you know, we've, we're in a very competitive environment versus seven, eight years ago. I mean, Hearts and Hibs got relegated, right? Um, the season we won the League Cup, and Rangers were in the whatever it was, second or third tier. The good news for Scottish football is it's really competitive again, and Hearts and Hibs are well funded. You know, so uh, for me. This is it's not about money, it's about trying to put a smile on the city's face through the, the club and the community trust, you know? Because if Aberdeen's doing well, the city typically feels good about itself. And so, um, but no, last year was, was tough, but I've been through a lot in my, my life and you just, have to, um, you just have to keep your head above the parapet and look at everything you're doing. Like I said at the meeting there and think, listen, I know we had a tough season last season, Everything else we're doing, right, we're, we're doing well, commercially and otherwise. Good stuff. Thanks, Thanks very much. Yeah. Thank you. Before we get to today's work plan, I know some of you have been waiting for your ride home, but you're going to have to wait a while longer. How long, Magnus? Until there's a ride available, we all have work to do. Power outage across the accommodation block. Could it have been seismic? Well, we keep punching holes in the earth, eventually it's going to punch back. Hold on! It's kicking back down here! It'll come back. Push it all and shut it down. Oh, my God. Kinlock Bravo to Coast Guard. I repeat, Kinlock Bravo to Coast Guard. There's no radios, there's no phones, there's fog, these shakes. What is going on out here? This will split the crew. They're already split. This ain't normal. We all know it, but we don't want to see it. Since the fog came in, some of our crew have had a psychological difficulty. What's happening? That's what you get for diving into the abyss. Nature isn't a balance, it's a war. I'm telling you, we're trying to warn us. 
We're all finished. Wake up! He's got to be dealt with! My job is to get you all home. You don't negotiate with nature. You're all being reckless! It isn't something new. It's something old. And it's waking up. Rose, Magnus and Fulmer are amongst many others working on an oil rig off the coast of Scotland. When the time comes for them to return back to land, the oil rig becomes engulfed by a supernatural mist. Will they make it back? Watch The Rig starring Martin Compton on Prime Video from the 6th of January. and Rob McElhenney, the new owners of Wrexham AFC. What was the connection between you and Wrexham Football Club? We had no direct connection. It was just a feeling. What me and my dad thought was because Wrexham's red, Deadpool's red. That's the real reason, sorry. (laughs) I think the biggest challenge is the community looking around going, what are these two guys doing here? Welcome to Wrexham. Only fools run. Is that the gym? It will be the gym. Wow. Yes, these will work. Wrexham is a town that battles against odds constantly. But the thing that we love more than anything is the football club. It's an underdog story. And it's about interconnectivity between the club and the community. Football's more than a game. It's not life and death. It's more important than that. You're watching those games with your kids and your father, your mother, but I don't remember any specific game. I just remember I just remember watching my dad. If it's successful, it will be the biggest day in the history of the town. Haney and Ryan Reynolds navigate running the third oldest professional football club in the world. Welcome to Wrexham as a docu-series tackling the dreams and worries of Wrexham as two Hollywood stars take ownership of the town's historic yet struggling football club. You can watch Welcome to Wrexham Series 1 on Disney+. And finally, the Dons players led by Captain Anthony Stewart made their annual trip to Royal Aberdeen Children's Hospital as they helped to spread some festive cheer to the children ahead of the Christmas period. Having missed out on the opportunity to meet the youngsters and their families at the hospital for two years during the pandemic, there was much excitement as eight members of the first team toured the wards. The players were on hand to distribute toys and AFC merchandise donated by the players and the club, spending time with the children and their families, as well as posing for photos and signing merchandise. So we took the afternoon to come into Aberdeen Children's Hospital and put a smile on kids' faces, give out Christmas presents and just have conversations and see how everyone's going on. So we got here probably about an hour ago. Um, we've been animate loads of, loads of children 
um, families, mums, dads, grandparents and had a good conversation with, with loads of people, um, handing out presents obviously this time of year and just trying to put a, a kind of small smile on um, some of the children's faces that um, goes a long way so yeah just putting a smile on some of their faces just means a lot. It's very humbling for myself. Um, before I knew I was coming, I, I, I wanted to come because this is a time where we kind of give back and we get to understand how the children are feeling. The little children are ill, might be, might be in over Christmas and it's just a humbling feeling to come in and be able to give back something. It's obviously difficult. Um, I think obviously you, you meet some of the children and some of them obviously don't really know what's, what's going on that much, but you see, you see the parents' faces and um, they obviously appreciate us coming in and like you said, it's humbling just to come in and like I said, just try to put a smile on um, some of their faces. We've got some photos uh, with some of the children and, and stuff like that, which was really, really, really good. It's been like Ab Aberdeen um, footballs, scarves, calendars, um, children's toys that, to be honest, I don't really know what they are. <laughs> I'm getting old. <laughs> but um, no, there's loads of, loads of different kind of presents in there. A smile makes a big difference, and I've seen many smiles today, so I'm happy with myself to know that I've come and done that. It's difficult. I found it difficult going to some of the rooms and, and meet, meet, meeting the parents and stuff and kind of lost for words and just, just when I smell on their faces and uh, what it means to them just that uh, the football teams come down to, to say hello and um, I, I just found it kind of, as I said, difficult going in there and just, just, like I said, just when I smell on some of their faces and just being there to try and listen. So probably some, probably something, some, some, something different uh, for the outside coming in and listening to what, what, what the parents are saying and stuff. So. Um, yeah, it's difficult, but it's, I've, I've, really enjoyed, I've really enjoyed coming in and just saying hello. Let's have it, Santa. Make Christmas look cool, do you know what I mean? Lights, music, I can see it now. Ooh, it's loud, yes. it's noisy. I'm not a huge Christmas fan. Ha ha, you This Christmas on BBC iPlayer. Tickets for our League Cup semi-final against Rangers on Sunday the 15th of January are ready to collect from the Pataudry ticket office. There'll be no ticket collections at uh, before our uh, match against Rangers on Tuesday, but you can't collect them for 30 minutes after the match. Supporters will also be able to collect tickets after the Christmas period. No reprints will be issued for any tickets due to the Hamden Park ticketing policy. Supporters who have opted to have their tickets posted should start receiving them from now. Those who have not received their tickets in the post should contact ticket office at afc.co.uk. That's ticket office at afc.co.uk or call 01224 631903. And keep in mind that the Royal Mail postal strikes may cause delays, so leave it for a few days before contacting. An AFC fan zone will be available at the Beach Ballroom before our home league match against St Johnston on Saturday the 7th of January. The event will run from midday to 2.30pm and will feature special AFC guest appearances and music. To book your place, go to afc.co.uk forward slash e-tickets. Tickets are on sale now and are priced £7 for adults, which includes a pint or other alcoholic or soft drink, and £5 for under-18s, which includes a soft drink. We're back in action on Tuesday night at home to Rangers. The match at Pataudry will kick off at 8pm and will be shown live on Sky Sports. And you'll also be able to watch it on Red TV. Coverage starts at 7.30pm. 
On Wednesday night in the SPFL, Celtic are at home to Livingston, kick-off at 7.45pm. And on Friday nights, it's Ross County versus Rangers at 7.30pm and Motherwell versus Kilmarnock at 7.45pm. We'll be in action on Christmas Eve away to St Mirren. Our match kicks off at 12.30pm and will be shown live on Red TV. Coverage starts at 12.15pm. The other matches on Christmas Eve are Celtic versus St Johnston at 12.30, Dundee United versus Hearts at 2pm and Hibs and Livingston also at 2pm. That's your lot for this edition. I'll be back on Wednesday with a quick roundup from the Rangers match and on Christmas Eve following the St Mirren game. Until then, stand free. Your latest Don's news. This is the AFC Don's Cast.